Will you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for a day that we are able to worship you today. Father, we thank you for the privilege and the honor that we have to be able to be here. Father, the freedom that we have to be able to worship you without any fear of harm coming to us. God, we just ask, as the choir just sung, open our eyes that we be able to see you. God, open our hearts this morning that we be able to receive your word. God, we just thank you for the work that you're doing in and through First Southern. And Father, I pray that as we open your word this morning, that you'll allow us to be able to hear your words and not mine. Father, I pray that there's anything that you do not want me to say, that you will silence me. And God, we just ask that you be with us this morning as we worship you. And we ask this in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen. So here's a little surprise. Pastor Chad is not here. So you have the honor and privilege of hearing me today. And uh, so I'm excited to be able to, to share God's word with you and continue the series. Uh, you guys can clap for me. I'll take it. Thank you. And uh, I'm okay with that. But we're continuing our series, Empowered. And I have loved this series because we're looking at the ordinary people and ordinary lives of people in the Bible and seeing the extraordinary things that God did in and through them. And so we're continuing that series this morning at looking at the life of Ruth. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them, pick them up, and we're going to be in the book of Ruth. And so Bibles, device, whatever you have. And if you need to borrow one, uh, you will find one in the pew in front of you. And we say this every single week. If you do not own a Bible, please take that home with you and consider it a gift from our church. We desire every person to have the access and the ability to, to read God's Word on their own. So take that home with you if you do not have a Bible. So Book of Ruth, it's a small book of the Bible. It's the seventh book. So you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and then Ruth. If I've confused you, check out the table of contents and you'll find it there. Um, but while you're turning there, I want to share a story with you. Um, this summer we have kids camp and student camp coming up. And uh, we're excited the groups that we have going. But uh, how many of you have gone to a camp either with kids ministry or student ministry or maybe even with your business and you've done a, a team building exercise? Has anybody have gone? Okay, a few of us. So my senior year, we, uh, we would go to a camp every year that we'd kind of host our own. And at this particular campsite, there was these kind of obstacle courses, and they were designed to, to build up our relationships and team building exercises together. And my student pastor loved them. He loved to use this opportunity to bring us together to be able to work and figure things out and process, but also to bring us closer together as a student ministry. And there was one particular that he loved, and that was the faith fall. Anybody familiar with the faith fall? So you have to, if those of you aren't, uh, they would have you stand up like on a chair or a table, and you would stand there and you'd put your arms like this. And there would be your friends be behind you, and they're kind of holding their back and their interlocking hands behind you. And you'd say, ready to fall. And they would say, ready to catch. And you'd say, falling. And that's when you're supposed to lean back, fully trusting that they're going to catch you. That terrifies me. I hate the sensation of falling. I just can't stand that just that unknown that feeling I don't know why it's just how I've always been and so we're here and we're doing this and this year in particular uh, my student pastor was feeling a little bit more um, excited so he says we're not just gonna use a stool we're gonna go to the lifeguard tower that stands about five feet up in the air and you're gonna stand up on this lifeguard tower and we're going to catch you so I intentionally positioned myself where I'd be one of the last to go hoping that they would forget about me or we'd run out of time 
And so we go and we begin going through the line and we're catching our friends and they're falling and falling. And then it comes up to be almost my turn. There's a, a freshman girl who probably weighed about like 70 pounds soaking wet, just a tiny little girl. And so it's her turn and she's up there. She folds her arms and says, ready to fall. They say, ready to catch. She says, falling. And then bam, they dropped her. They dropped this freshman girl, 70 pounds, and I'm next. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And uh, now thankfully, we were at the edge of the water, so she, she fell in like a, a foot of water. So she, she wasn't hurt. She was fine. She was good. But I'm supposed to go next. And, uh, and so they're like, all right, Josh, get up there. I'm like, nope. Mm-mm, I'm not, that's not going to happen. They're like, come on, Josh. They're like, we're all doing it. Everyone else has done it. It is your turn. You're, you're like one of our leaders. Like, you're, you're a senior here. Set the example. I'm like, someone else can set the example. I'm not doing it. And, uh, and that is when my friend turns to me. You know those good friends that like to speak truth in your life? This friend turns to me, and he says, Josh, you've got to have faith. And I said, I do have faith, just not in you catching me. And so often in life, uh, people around us, and even our circumstances, can cause us to lose, lose faith in others. And a lot of times we can lose faith not just in the people around us, but ultimately asking the question, God, are you there? Are you there? Are you going to do anything about this? Do you even care about me? And so this, this morning, our text, we're going to read about and look into the life of an incredible woman of faith named Ruth. Many theologians actually believe that her life, the character of her life and who she is, is actually described in Proverbs 31 as a virtuous woman. So much so that in the Hebrew Bible, the book of Ruth actually comes after Proverbs. And so this incredible woman of faith that we're going to look at. But unlike many stories in the Bible, in the book of Ruth, we're not going to see God's voice thundering down and declaring a big word. We're not going to see some miraculous miracle happen that in an instant changes everything. See, to be honest, Ruth actually would make it, the book of Ruth would make a terrible movie. It just has, the, the plot just isn't that exciting. There's no action. There's no cliffhangers. There's no thriller. Um, there's no really enemies coming on here. Uh, there's a little bit of romance, um, but if it was worth making a movie about, Hallmark probably would have done it already, and they haven't. Um, so Ruth would make a terrible movie. But is it a great example of God working in a completely ordinary person's life? See, God, what we do see is that God is gradually leading her, a God who she firmly believed in. And at the end, we will see and be able to look back how God orchestrated just the natural events for his divine glory. We're going to see the fingerprints of God all over Ruth's life and how he redeems this poor widow. So our time this morning is my desire that will give us a better perspective on how we can live a life of faith, and see how God is working in our own lives to bring us to redemption. So the book of Ruth, chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. A man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Imelech, and his wife's name Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Melon and Kilion, and they were Ephorites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. Now, Amalek, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. And they married Moabite women named Orpah and the other Ruth. 
And they had lived there about 10 years. Both Malon and Kilion also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When she had heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people for providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. And with her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will be filled with rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud. And they said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord's hand has gone against me. And at this they wept again. The Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, Naomi said, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But listen to this. But Ruth replied, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. See, the story is taking place during the same time as the book of Judges. And this is a, t- a terrible, a- a evil time in the history of God's people. See, Judges 21-25 says that it was in those days of Israel that God had, Israel had no king and all the people did whatever seemed right in their eyes. The Israelites would go and they would turn their backs on God and then they would suffer the consequences for it. And God would raise up judges to call out them in their rebellion and to call them to repentance and then God would restore them back to a rightful relationship with him and then it would repeat itself over and over Some of the most evil acts that we read in the Bible is actually written here in the book of Judges. And this is where we find the three women. This is the circumstances that they find themselves living in. Naomi, Orpah, and Ruth. And when the husbands of these women died, they each responded differently to their circumstances. Naomi, who who lost her husband, also her two sons, turned towards bitterness, saying, God's hand is against me. Orpah went back to her former life. Naomi said that she went back to her people and her gods. She completely let go of everything that she'd come to believe in to be true and went back to her former lifestyle away from God. But Ruth chose something very different, a very different perspective. Rather than turning towards bitterness like Naomi, she chose to have unconditional compassion for her mother-in-law in her time of need. She said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. 
For where you go and where you lodge, I will be. Instead of taking the easier path to returning to her former life, she remained steadfast and committed to her life. She wasn't like her sister where it said, she actually said, her people shall be my people, your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Let's just be honest for a second. Wouldn't it have been easier for her to turn her back on God? She was a widow. She was childless. She was stuck with a mother-in-law who was bitter and thought God was against him, against her. And, and, and the mother-in-law made it very clear, if you go with me, I can promise you poverty and difficult times. That's what was the life that Ruth was entering into. That's what she was experiencing. And she had lost everything. Everything she had known, she was going to be questioned to leave what was familiar to her. But she didn't. But we very easily could have kind of excused her. I could just see it. She's there in the prayer meeting. And she's like, look, I've lost my husband. Um, I don't have any kids. Um, I've got this crazy mother-in-law who just, God's against her. And this is where we're at. And you just, I could just see the ladies putting their arms around and say, honey, just bless your heart. It's okay. God's got you. Um, it's okay. Just let it all out. It's okay. But she didn't do that. Did she go through difficult times? Absolutely. But you don't see her turning towards bitterness. See, Ruth didn't allow the hard times of her past and the unknown and more than likely difficult future to keep her from abiding in the faithfulness of God. See, Scripture doesn't tell us that when Ruth came to have faith in the one and true God, but we do know that she walked away from this religious heritage that she had. Orpah went back to her gods. Ruth grew up in the same town as Orpah. They did not follow and believe in the God of Israel, but Ruth had. And I can imagine that being married into an Israelite family, that she got to hear the stories of God's faithfulness throughout the years. She got to hear that, that God formed a nation from an elderly man named Abraham. That she got to hear that he redeemed the evil acts of Joseph's brothers who sold him into slavery only to become second in command in Egypt to save God's people from a famine. And then after 400 years of being enslaved, God freed his people from bondage. And then when they came to the Red Sea and they thought all hope was lost with Pharaoh's army coming against them, God parted the Red Sea and allowed them to walk across on dry land, not being harmed at all. And then ultimately led them to a land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land. This is the God that she came to believe in. In spite of the Israelites' continual distrust, lack of faith, and disobedience, God remained faithful to them through it all. And he, he is the same God as yesterday as he is today. And Ruth knew this. Ruth knew that God that she'd come to believe in, she could have absolute faith in. She could have no doubt in who he was. And to sum it all up in one simple phrase, and the main takeaway of this morning's message that I want you to walk with and, and think upon this week is this. If God is for us, who could be against us? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? If the God who created all things and controls still to this day all things... Is there was there and was faithful to Ruth. They sent God as, as Ruth and then sent his son to restore our broken relationship because of our sin, we had separated ourselves from him. He sent his son to die a gruesome death for you 
If he is for us, who can ever stand against us? This is the truth that Ruth standed on. The truth that she believed in and compelled her to have and to live out remarkable faith. So what does that look like for us today? Hebrews 11.1 1 defines faith as this. The assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. The great author and theologian A.W. Tozer gives a wonderful explanation of the difference between unbelief and faith. And you can follow along with me on the screen. Unbelief says some other time, but not now. Some other place, but not here. Some other people, but not us. But listen to this. Faith says anything he did anywhere else, he will do here. Anything that he did any other time, he is willing to do now. Anything he ever did for other people, he's willing to do for us. With our feet on the ground and our head cool, but with our heart ablaze with the love of God, we walk out in this fullness of the Spirit. If we yield and obey, God wants to work through you. As Tozer stated, if we yield and obey, if we yield by spending on spending our time to an unrelentless pursuit of God, by spending time daily, regularly, consistently in his word, learning of his truths, learning of his goodness, and reminding ourselves of his faithfulness, and then putting them into practice by obedience, by serving God and serving others, especially those who have nothing to give back in return, just like Ruth did with Naomi. Naomi had nothing to offer her, Yet Ruth served her unconditionally and with great love and compassion. This is how we live a life marked by faith. See, in the book of Ruth, um, Ruth's not the main character. I know the book's written about her. Her name's there. But she's not the one this is all about. As is the same with every book in the Bible, God is the central and main character of the story. Because what we see here is that God used Ruth to illustrate his redemption story. He's the hero. As the faithful God who with great and loving kindness cares for his own and provides what they need. And in Ruth's story, we see a reflection of our own stories. Like Ruth, we too need a kinsman redeemer. And who will do that what is necessary to remedy our helpless condition. And if you were to read through the entire book of Ruth, and I encourage you to do, to read through all the chapters, it would take you probably about 25 minutes. And I'm a slow reader, so 25 minutes doesn't take long. You'll see and read the incredible story of this ordinary woman. And you'll see how God worked through her life and how he took this poor and widowed outcast and provided for her and her her mother-in-law, and then brings her a great love with Boaz. And just a little bit of icing on the cake. It's, it's amazing when you read stories, some things you forget little details. When you get to the very end, you'll read that Ruth and Boaz have a child, and his name's Obed. And Obed has a son, and his name's Jesse. And Jesse has a son who became the greatest king in Israel at the time, named David. Ruth 
this poor, widowed, Moabite woman, woman is in the lineage of Christ. Our Lord and Savior comes from her line. Comes from a woman who had extraordinary faith and shows us how we can have extraordinary faith. If we continue to be reminded of God's love, his unconditional love and compassion for us. Ruth's story of redemption points to our need of redemption. Our need to be redeemed from our sin. And we all can experience this through the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ. So church, be reminded this week, if God is for you, who or what can ever stand against you? Will you pray with me? Father God, we just thank you, Lord, for the work that you're doing. And Father, we thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, it's so easy to to get caught up in our circumstances, to forget about all that you've provided and all that you have done for us. But Father, you have remained faithful and you will continue to remain faithful even when we don't. So God, I just ask now as we, we come to you, as we come to respond to the message that we just heard, Father, that we will open our hearts to your calling. Father, that we will follow suit, Father, that we will yield to what you're calling us to do. We ask this in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen. Now we're going to have a time of response. And uh, and I just want to encourage you. I'm not naive to believe that there's not people here that are going through difficult things. They're experiencing unknown circumstances and may have people in their lives who cause them to lack faith and have you to lose faith in God. But God is for you. And God desires to redeem you. God desires to be in your life if you would trust and lean on him. So there's some of you, I'm going to invite you just to take some time to pray. Confess to God what's going on in your life. He already knows. You can come to the stairs to hear the altar and pray and cry out to God if so. And if you'd like to talk to someone more about what it means to be redeemed by Jesus, what it means to have a loving relationship with God, um, I would encourage you to you can come speak to me. I'm going to be here on the front pew. Or if you want to come and you want to wait till after the service, I'll be available in the foyer. But this is the time to make a decision. Will you stand with us as we continue to worship?